prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had taken he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. May God bless our understanding, the reading of this, his holy word. Amen. This is a dark world, and in many ways these are dark times. That's not to say that there isn't beauty or joy or wonder in the earth. There's plenty of that. But there are also some very hard things. We keep hearing about some very awful things. We're seeing some incredibly distressing things happen around our globe right now. It seems like crisis after crisis is just kind of springing up and causing tremendous suffering for millions of people. People are feeling hopeless about our national struggles and about their own personal lives, about their own situations. My guess is that there is some place in your life where you are longing for hope. Maybe for a loved one. Maybe in your family situation. Maybe for someone you know who's close to you. But you hope for something different. You hope for a change. You hope that something is going to give. And if you're living by faith, your hope is for God to show himself. 
It was a dark world in 740 B.C. It's a long time ago. That's when Isaiah received this vision of the Lord in the temple that really led to his call as a prophet of God. Isaiah is one of the biggest books of the Bible, you notice when you turn there. And it's composed of messages that this prophet gave to ancient Israel and that he preached to the people during a very dark time for them. Isaiah's sermons are full of contrast. On the one hand, we read hard, hard messages about the judgment that God is going and does bring upon Israel for their evil and their sin. And then on the other hand, there are some of the most beautiful messages in the Bible about the restoration and the healing that God brings to the people. Isaiah is particularly popular during this time of year, during Advent, because so many of the scriptures we hear this time of year are words that Isaiah proclaimed about God's coming Messiah. Behold, the virgin is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For to us, a child is born, a son is given, is given, and he is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight a des- in the desert a highway for our God. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. These all come from Isaiah. And during the four Sundays of Advent and then on Christmas Eve, I'm going to preach sermons from various passages in Isaiah that speak of hope so that we might find and see God who is our hope and who is our strength in whatever darkness or whatever situation we might find ourselves. And if your life is all sunshine and you don't need any hope, then I guess we'll see you in January. But my experience is that any pilgrim of the Lord who's walking this world by faith always needs hope somewhere in some way. I think Isaiah gives it. This morning we turn to that vision of Isaiah in the temple. Isaiah receives this vision and and he sees the Lord and it's glorious. It's just wonderful. Uh, it's, It's more than he can handle. And we're told that it happened in the year that King Uzziah died. That's the way it begins. Isaiah's ministry lasted through four kings. Leaders came and went. Kings came and went. Isaiah had staying power. He just kept preaching king through king after king after king. And Isaiah sees and he hears and he experiences the holiness of the Lord. And Isaiah is wrecked. He feels he shouldn't even be there. He feels his own uncleanness in the light of the king who's the Lord of hosts. He sees the uncleanness of his own people. But the Lord touches him, takes away his guilt, and forgives his sin. And Isaiah then hears the Lord ask, well, who should I send? And Isaiah responds, well, I'm willing, I'm available. Here I am, you send me. And then comes the call. And it's a startling call. The Lord tells Isaiah to go to the people with this message. Keep listening, but do not comprehend. 
Keep looking, but don't understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. Isaiah is to preach while the minds go dull and the ears and eyes are shut so that people won't turn and they won't be healed. God doesn't want people here to be healed. That's not what we expect. We would expect God to send Isaiah with powerful messages to turn the people back to him so that they will hear, so that they will see, so that they will understand. You know, this is one of the most troubling passages in all the Bibles. People have scratched their head over this for a long time. Although it's true, the prophets did preach and people did not listen. People did not accept their message. And it led to the rejection and the downfall of Israel. You know, the demanding message and person of Jesus was not accepted by many people. And the early Christians went back to these words of Isaiah to help them understand why people didn't turn to Christ. This passage from Isaiah is quoted in every gospel. All four gospel writers quote it to help explain why certain people would not respond to Christ. And Paul quotes it in Acts. It's quoted a fifth time in the New Testament because he uses it to explain why people don't respond to his preaching about Christ and the gospel message. What makes these words so hard is that God seems to want people not to turn to him, and he's the very one who makes that happen. It's like the Lord wills people's stubbornness. Walter Brueggemann is a, is a Bible teacher. <clears throat> and in his commentary in Isaiah, he says this. He says, it's clear in this hard saying, even if much else is not clear here, the purposes of God are at work in the midst of severe human stubbornness. There are no easy healings. There are no ready turnings. There is no easy gospel, no cheap grace, no good word that gives assurances to those who drop by hoping for a quick and comfortable deal. There was a Jewish rabbi, Abraham Heschel, who wrestled with this. And he actually thought there might be some positive in God making sure that the people didn't understand. And Rabbi Heschel believed that making people callous and hard might help them sink to the point where they see their own sin and stubbornness. And God was making this people's burden unbearable for them so that perhaps they may decide to be honest with themselves and be honest with others and seek change. Because if the hardness can become complete and lead to despair, actually prayer will then burst forth. Sometimes a people, sometimes we, have to hit the bottom and just become absolutely sick of our situation and what we've become before we can truly turn ourselves over to the Lord. As long as we hang in with those few shreds of respectability, we always hold back a part of ourselves from the Lord. Well, Isaiah is to preach. No one is to listen. People are going to fall asleep. And Isaiah asks the natural question, well, how long is this going to go on, O Lord? How long will they not respond? Surely your game plan isn't for this to be a permanent thing. No, it won't be forever because the Lord says until. And until is a word of hope. Until is a word that suggests there will be an end. There is a limit. But then the Lord says until 
Cities are devastated and lands become forsaken. Assyrian armies from, the, from a foreign place are going to come in and steamroll everybody and everything and it will all be gone except a stump. A stump. Here's the way it reads in the Living Bible. Yet a tent, a remnant, will survive. And though Israel is invaded again and again and destroyed, yet Israel will be like a tree cut down whose stump still lives to grow again. And here is the message of hope. The stump. I get up this morning frazzled from having to face my family over Thanksgiving weekend. Come here to hear a sermon on hope in the darkness and he's going to tell us about a stump. That stump is a picture of hope. It may not be a verse that we would expect or that we would associate with hope. I went to the Christian bookstores this week. I searched online. There are no cards that have this verse on it to give somebody hope that you can send to them. And it's difficult to get this verse exactly right in the ancient Hebrew. In the New International Version of the Bible, it reads, the holy seed will be the stump in the land. In the Jewish Bible, it reads, its stump shall be a holy seed. And the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible reads, the holy seed is its stump. But what is clear is a picture of a tree that is now nothing but a stump. It's been cut down. And what is within that stump is a seed, and it's a holy seed. And whatever, wherever there is a seed, there's a possibility of new life. Disaster is going to overtake Israel. Assyria is going to come and make it look like a slew of loggers have just gone through that forest. But what is left after the disaster is going to be new. Something will survive. It will be a holy seed. And that stump, unlikely as it seemed, and against all appearances, is the holy seed out of which salvation is going to grow. For soon, we're going to hear in Isaiah, just a couple chapters, and we're going to hear more about this next week. Soon we're going to hear that a shoot will come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall go out of his roots. The stump of Jesse. Jesse was King David's father, and it was from King David that the Messiah of God would come. Earlier in Isaiah, we find this message. Oh, on that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of the survivors of Israel. This shoot, this branch will be Christ the Lord. However bad the devastation, something is going to grow out of it. The impossible possibility of new life from deep failure is going to come. From a string of bad kings who left this nation in, in, in devastation and led it to a bad place will come a king who's going to bring justice and peace. Jews had faith that their devastated nation, once a tall great tree, now nothing but a stump, from that stump would come the Messiah. Remember last year the Dead Sea Scrolls were in, uh, in Salt Lake City? I don't know if you had a chance to see those. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were written during biblical times from a, by a separatist community called the Essenes. But in one of those scrolls, they refer, they write about Isaiah 6. And it says this, 
In disbelief, someone writes and asks, how could this stump be the holy seed? In other words, how could any hope come out of this? Isn't all lost? There were those who couldn't believe Isaiah's words, that there was still something alive that would come and that would grow. Often our lives look like nothing but a stump. Something will have been cut off. Something will have been cut down. The loss of a job in a career. The loss of a loved one. A failed marriage. Lost health. A lost home. And it leaves nothing but a stump. And we think, well, that's the end of that. And while... It may be the end. It doesn't mean it is the end of us or what God desires in our lives. Loss can be redemptive if it causes us to seek God. If it causes us to seek his forgiveness, if it causes us to seek his love, his strength, his grace. There was a person who experienced tremendous personal loss in their life and they said this, that loss creates a new set of circumstances in which we live. When, at the right time, we are able to acknowledge the ineradicable, the unchangeable nature of those circumstances, we can begin forging a new life for ourselves. God will do what God will do to get us to a place where we live under His reign. And just as Israel knew the stump of when their nation fell to Assyria, so Christians knew the stump of Good Friday and the crucifixion. But that stump was not the end, was it? The holy seed was there. Matthew Henry said the holy seed is the soul in the substance of a person. And where Christ is, there is always hope. There is always new life that can grow. First John, it says those in whom God's seed abides have been born of God. Sometimes something has to be cut down first. Pride. Self-sufficiency. Self-righteousness. There's no cheap gospel. There's no quick fixes. There's no comfortable deals. Something will grow out of that seed and it becomes the hope of Israel. And it becomes our hope too because that holy seed is Christ. God is so passionate about us that he will bring everything down to a stump in order to get us to the come to the one whom he has sent to save us and to redeem us. And that is Christ. And then he begins to take shape in our lives when he gets his place in our lives. And we pay even more attention to what's growing. And that's the purpose of Advent. And that is where we are going and where we will go next. Paying attention to what grows from this stump and what God will bring. Once again, I want to end with some silent reflection and for each one of us. To just be in our hearts. And if there is something you've heard that has struck you, listen to it and let the Holy Spirit bring God's voice to your heart. Lord, we thank you that when all can seem lost, 
it's never done with you. And that as long as Christ, the holy seed, is there, something can grow and will grow. We thank you for this hope. And we long for you to come to us again. Amen. Let's stand together. The song we're about to sing is one that's probably very familiar to you. It's called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, This is a classic Advent hymn that was written in the 800s. I don't know about you, but that's astonishing to me that we sing the same words that was written over 1,000 years ago. That's insane. Uh, It comes from a series of hymns um, that were sung at the evening time of prayer each day the week before Christmas. This time of prayer was uh, often called Vespers. Um, So each of these songs began with the title of O, and then it would proclaim some sort of descriptive text about the Messiah. Um, Later, a pastor named uh, John Mason Neal, he compiled these together, and he made uh, the hymn that we sing today. We're going to sing a slightly contemporized version that still has the same words, but I challenge you as we sing this, pay attention to the titles of O that they give to the Messiah.
hope we've been able to be still before the Lord and, and encounter him this morning. Let's say these words to one another as we go out to live for the Messiah this week. Go out into the world in peace and love. Proclaim the good news. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We join hands and receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you, keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen.